You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Warriors This Week continues on 95.7 The Game. Shout out Mathematics. That's most deaf. That's our guy Ken on the ones and twos. Appreciate him. Appreciate all of you chiming in on Warriors this week here on Saturday. Every Saturday from 9 to noon, Evan Giddings alongside Dan Devone talking about the Golden State Warriors after a 2-0 week. Taking down the Lakers, beating the Charlotte Hornets. And apparently what was uh, an intense type of you know large picture takeaway battle between two of the well brands in the west and east yeah just a, a, a an old school game just Dan. a very clean no team got to 100 it was a 90s basketball game what an entertaining basketball game dude i'm surprised you watched all of it all 48 well, I minutes had to. i was on a flight what well, the hell else are you gonna do for you know five hours going across the country that's fair uh that first half <laughs> that was like a plate of barf <laughs> I mean, that was about as ugly as I've ever seen a basketball game between two NBA teams play, especially this year. But it's understandable to a certain degree. Okay, both teams... I don't know it was possible to score only 29 points and wow. a half in, in 2024. Both teams are at the back end. of the, They went back-to-back, back, right? I believe that Charlotte had Utah... They won they, four in a row. They won four in a row. They beat Utah the night before, <laughs> and the Golden State Warriors, you know, came up winners... Against the Lakers, and they clearly they, they were somewhere else. And especially with the Warriors, there were excuses that were built in place. It was the Lakers, and you could you could sense all the air was out of the arena, and they were just you know they, they didn't have very much emotionally in the tank to take on anybody. And especially when it's the Hornets, and as you pointed out with no Lamelo Ball. In all seriousness, Ev, yeah, there are some takeaways from that game that, despite the win, that there continues to be. You know, high levels of concern. Mm. And that is the fact that it was a game that wasn't necessarily hanging in the balance, but there's no reason Steph Curry should have been, or any starter should have been still playing in that game in the fourth quarter. But they had to, because the game would still get within that margin of like 10 to 12. And in this, you know, the way the NBA's played in 2024, that's, you know, that's two threes and suddenly two possessions and suddenly it's, it's it's a tight contest. My point is, is that when you think about the Golden State Warriors, if they, indeed they are going to be a relevant and a title contender this year, 
Well, think about when they won titles. And just, I know it's not fair, but just think about them or any good team. And the Warriors are thought of. I mean, that's the benchmark, all right? This is not Charlotte. This isn't Washington. It's not Portland. It's not any other team. It's the Golden State Warriors. And the benchmark is that you win NBA titles. That's, you know, it's, it's pretty much NBA title or bust. Fair or unfair. So when you think about when this team was good in winning titles, going back to 2016, 17, 18, pick the year, and you had a cupcake or a scheduled win like that of the Charlotte Hornets, yeah, maybe you don't play with a level of intensity, but the Warriors would blow them out when they were good. And the game was pretty much in the bag midway through the third quarter, knowing, knowing without a doubt that Steph and Draymond and all your stars are going to sit in that fourth quarter. Load management is a serious thing with Steph Curry, not only for this game coming up on Sunday against Denver, but certainly going forward as you get down to the most important part of the season and the postseason. Not only that, but the stench of turnovers was still in the arena. Oh, yeah. And so despite the win, the fact that it's still in your DNA, that it's still part of who you are as a basketball team, with the 22 turnovers against Charlotte, is concerning. Now, I don't want to be that guy that, come on, man, it's Charlotte, it's a win, move on. Who gets excited about the Hornets? There are some serious takeaways from that game, and they're not good. Well, number one, the Warriors didn't give a crap about that game. (laughs) I mean, it's just the way they played, it's the way they looked. They were up like 21 going into the fourth quarter and then allowed Charlotte to shrink back into the game. I don't, you know... I think maybe because of the blown lead throughout the season, people started to wonder what the hell was happening. But the Hornets are they're just a god-awful team, especially without LaMelo Ball. And you could even make the case with LaMelo Ball that they don't really play hard. Grant Williams is probably pissed he got traded there. I don't know. I like To me, that, that game, I'm with you. Like 21 turnovers is glaring. Especially when they've been a top-five team in terms of assist-to-turnover ratio over the last 15 games. They have been good because they've taken care of the ball. And what's the one way that you can lose against a bad team? Number one, you play down to their level, which the Warriors did last night. Number two, you don't take care of the ball. And they didn't do either of those, or they did do both of those things last night. So, I I don't know if they're necessarily habits that I expect to carry over uh, uh, into Sunday, because, again, that's that's the big game against the defending champs. They've beaten you three times. They took your lunch at home in b- ridiculous fashion. Speaking about fourth-quarter blown leads, Denver on line one. But for me, the Warriors just completely overlook Charlotte. And maybe you look at that and say, well, the fact that they still won that game, they picked up a W is impressive because they didn't overlook the Lakers. I thought they put them away without LeBron James as they should. Um, Charlotte was probably closer than it needed to be. But I think that's a game that, you're right, a great team ends that game in the first half and puts them away and it's done and it's over with. I don't think the Warriors are at the point where we can say they're a great team, though. I think they're playing great. I think they're a good team, but they're not great yet. I mean, they still are three games above 500 in the 10th seed in the West. So I think those kind of games are still going to be on their horizon. Like, look, first game of the road trip, they got Washington. But do you expect them to just beat them by 40? I would hope so. But if they don't, I'm more worried about, well, how do you play New York? Like, how do you play Boston? And that's kind of where I'm at with the team. You know, I, I think the, the game last night, there was a lot of funny, weird stuff that happened. Like, uh, apparently unwritten rules are still a part of the NBA. 
And I get it to some extent, but Grant Williams getting ejected for no reason is just him trying to, I don't know, I guess be the guy that's coming to the fold and act the act the tough show against Draymond, um, who, by the way, had some very strange comments after the game, which I didn't really get or particularly enjoy. I don't know if you heard him. I did actually listen to that. What what struck you as being odd? Uh, him saying Miles Bridges can yeah. do no wrong. Well, what the hell is that? That's idiotic. Yeah. How it's, about uh, beating your wife in front of your kids? Is there anything wrong with that? Yeah. I, I get he went to Michigan State. That's his little brother. But you can pick your words a little more carefully, and I think he is going to understand that that was not the right thing to say. And what was Miles Bridges? Who's basically on borrowed time or probation? One of the two. He still is on probation. The last guy in the world who yeah. should be throwing bows and getting in a mix-up in the NBA game right now. Also, like yes, Grant Williams is a punk. Grant Williams is soft. He has all the things that I think Draymond Green has either said explicitly or thought. <laughs> but, Draymond, you're also the guy that throughout this season has lost his head a couple of times on the court. Has hurt his team a few times and got ejected in games that didn't really mean much. Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. Um, I also didn't like the fact that the Charlotte Hornets had an issue with Lester Quinones making a reverse layup when they were in, when they were pressing like full court with 30 seconds left with their starters in the game. Yeah, Quinones make a reverse layup and then go talk bleep to him on the other end. It was weird, but you're right. I, the Grand William, well, getting back to the Draymond Green conversation in the post game, which was really sort of. It always is with him, but especially last night in a game, I think that might have been the most imparting, uh, impressive or sort of entertaining part of the game was listening yeah. to Draymond Green because he went after Grant Williams and he essentially said, listen, bro, you want to be a tough guy? I'll tell you how to get into the club. <laughs> this ain't the way. Like, Listen, man, I'm the president. Okay, I'm the grand poopah. I'll, I'll tell you what it is that you need to get admission, but this ain't it, man. And he sort of laughed at him. But if you think about it, I mean, really, Draymond, if the shoe is on the other foot, I'm not. Maybe he does have this ethic, or there's a code that when it comes to the unwritten rule, he doesn't really buy in. But I could see Draymond if somebody, if the shoe was on the other foot and somebody shot a meaningless shot, a layup late in the game, and he shoved a guy, I could hear him in the post game saying like. You don't disrespect my team. I don't care. I'm Draymond's arms with the Warriors. You will not disrespect them. Some to that degree, right? Like, it's Draymond. Really? Can you? I mean, I don't know. I, I could interpret that one of two ways. So it, It's also classic Draymond when it comes to, okay, yes, he's the the president. He's more like the, I guess, like the emperor because the emperor sometimes names themselves uh, leader <laughs> you know, of, of the tough guy club and a prime minister uh, dictator of the the tough guy club, but it's also classic Draymond. Like he's punching down. I mean, like come on, it's Grant Williams, who by the way I think they have a personal thing because Grant said that yeah, he can... was the next Draymond Green or something like that, and that's clearly untrue. It's a fabrication, and Draymond Green knows that he's better than him. Also, his team is better than the Hornets. Yeah, like if they had lost that game and then that had happened, you think Draymond would be talking as tough as he is? I don't think so. Yeah, but. He knows that Grant Williams is a soft, uh, you know, target. He's a punching bag, proverbially. His team didn't want him in Dallas after signing a five-year deal, shipped him off first year. Like, he's an easy target. That is a classic Draymond Green tough guy club kind of, well, target. That obviously goes back to the Boston series of a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's not coincidental that he's been moved twice since then. 
Grant Williams, just a side note, and this is not to get personal, but he has the most unathletic body I've seen in recent memory for an NBA basketball Grant Williams player. or Draymond Green? Grant Williams. <laughs> no, look at him next time. He just, like, he does, he does not, if you saw him walking down the street, well, he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, you'd say, oh, yeah, okay, he stands out, but he does not look like a, a basketball player. Well, it's neither here nor there. But yeah. the the ending was, was sort of silly. Just getting back to, to that game and sort of getting into a serious vein here, and Steve Kerr and going back to the contract extension, I would sit him down if I was, you know, because I think it makes sense to extend him. And the two years is perfect, and I think both parties are happy. But I would say, and I don't know how you do this because it's sort of a general statement. It's something that, that, that obviously he addresses every day. But the fact that it that it's continually happens, like you're getting the extension, but we have to stop the turnovers, Coach. Now, I know you talk about it. I know that it's... Obviously, first and foremost, in terms of you know when you're sitting down with the team and how to improve and going over game video, but with, I don't care how you get it done, just get the damn thing done. This is going on years and years of this stuff. I know part of it starts again with Steph Curry, uh, but that's Steph and that's the way he plays. So if you're going to inhibit his turnovers and maybe you're inhibiting you know his freedom to shoot threes and be a basketball player, so you got to tread delicately there. I don't care who it is that you, you know, that you you use to to sort of make the to get the point across to the rest of the team. It has to be done. It's just you cannot continue as a head coach and this continue to be, you know, the the trademark of your team because it's it's clearly a roadblock in preventing you from where it is that you want to go. That and again, you've got to embrace what I think in a more quicker fashion, and that is recognizing the youth movement that's taking place in front of your very eyes. And all that has happened to some extent, but maybe not as much as people would like. And maybe that's why folks are on the fence about Kerr's extension. I think it was the right move. I thought it was a move that was coming. It's something that Curry obviously wanted, that the Warriors wanted. It sounded like Kerr is one of the whole year. It did not appear to me to be like a Bob Myers situation, which played out last year and, of course, ended with Bob Myers walking away from the organization. But 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings alongside Dan Devone with you here on 95.7 The Game. This is Warriors This Week. Every single Saturday... From 9 a.m. to noon, appreciate the YouTube chat powered by First North Cal Credit Union Comcast Business Text Line. From the 510, Dan is adding Grant Williams to the most punchable body list. Not the most punchable face list. Yeah, it's an MPF list, so we don't punch the body. All right, We're not body shots. We're not going to the ribcage. <laughs> it's MPF, clearly going right to the grill. No, I didn't advocate that. I didn't start it. I'm going to go bell bow to the liver. <laughs> it... Don't let that bastard breathe. It's a little Burgess <laughs> Meredith from back in the Rocky day. Um, yeah, listen, man. He, well, now we're not doing NPF today. Move on. We no, 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 no. No, let's get out to Junior Pacific has been hanging on patiently. Junior, my man, how are you doing? What's up? Gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey, you guys work well together. I'm enjoying your uh, your shows. Uh, I can't stand this guy, Junior. <laughs> uh, well, you hide it so well, Evan. I really appreciate no, that. Point. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. No, I just got to say now I massively disagree with what you were saying a minute ago because this is not a title contending team. You know, anything can happen in sports. But look at the one loss record at this point in the season compared to those championship years and the eye test. 
compared to those championship years. We just kind of sort of figured out a starting and closing lineup, Mm -hmm. you know, two weeks ago. And we're going to bring back the the only big change is Chris Paul's coming back. He might stabilize the team a bit, but he doesn't make the Warriors a lot better at being the Warriors. You know, he stopped some of the bleeding on turnovers and so on, as you were complaining about, Dan. So I don't think it's a title-containing team. It, there is a plausible argument. You do everything right this year and set yourself up for next year with a move or two in the offseason. Thanks, Junior. No, I, look, I, I think that's fair. I don't think I ever called him a, a championship team. Um, but That the, was me. Oh, gotcha. Like, the, the extension, I think, to me is just... An indication from whether it be ownership or the front office or you know, a combination of both that they still think that Steve Kerr can be like he's the best option if this team is to win a championship. Not saying that they will, but two years I don't think is that long of a time. It's it's kind of like, okay, if they extend Clay Thompson this summer and give him two years. I don't think that's a like a a, a glowing, you know, resume type of stamp of approval saying that Clay Thompson is still the guy that he once was. I mean, Curry's got two years left, and he's making the money that he is. Draymond Green got four years because I think the Warriors still believe that he can play at a high level and be a part of a championship team. But two, like a, a two-year deal, whether it's in, in any walk, it would, for what we're doing here in media, two years is not your boss saying, hey, I really believe that you are the future of this station, of this company, of whatever employer you work for. It's saying, you're doing a pretty good job. And we're going to reward you for that. But I still need to see more. Makes sense. I, just to get back to the call, you know, I, I'm the one who mentioned the NBA title this year. And again, I don't believe, and I, Ev, I said this going back a month ago, even when things were going haywire, that, you know, there's crazier things have happened and that you could just see that you had to let this thing breathe a little bit and there were so many moving pieces. But, you're right. Comparing this team to an NBA championship or the Warrior championship teams of the of the past may may seem a little ridiculous. But there is a different way that the Golden State Warriors are now winning titles as they get older. Uh, back in 2016, 17, 18, back back in the heyday, um, when you won 73 games and you would just simply in the beginning of the year you knew you'd pencil in the Golden State Warriors getting not to the Western Conference Finals, not to a playing game. They're going to the NBA Finals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, certain things could prevent you from winning it, but you knew that they would be there, right? Injuries, what have you. Ball's got to bounce your way. They're doing it a different way now as they get older. And when you think back to two years ago, now three years ago, when they won that title against the Boston Celtics, they weren't the number one seed, right? They weren't the team with the best record in the NBA. There's a different road now that they have to wait, uh, they have to take to winning a title. Now, this would be the most challenging for Steve Kerr. But again... The idea of putting them in the NBA Finals or coming out of the West, while they would be a complete long shot at this point, um, we should all prepare ourselves that that is a strong possibility. And when I say strong, I do mean strong. When I look at the construct of the Western Conference uh, and, and the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Clippers and the Nuggets, that should not scare anybody in Dub Nation. And so... While the road to the NBA Finals certainly has changed for the Golden State Warriors because you're not the number one seed and you don't have clearly the best record and you have an established home court advantage, but the idea of the Warriors winning a title 
uh, like they did a couple of years ago against the Boston Celtics, where if you remember that year in February when they won that title, the Warriors were a bad basketball team. They were mm-hmm. a sub-500 team. I remember you know, working here at 95-7 the game, and they, they had lost to Washington in this dreadful road trip, and it was just talking about the future because there was no way in hell that they were getting to uh, to the Western Conference Finals and or the NBA Finals that year yeah. when they won the title. So there's some similarities, all right? And I think that what's important for everyone to do is forget about the chaos that led you to where you're at right now, and that is the development of Jonathan Kaminga, sinning him, not playing him, the the suspensions of Draymond Green, the changing of the lineups, going after Steve Kerr, that look at where they're at right now going forward, where you finally have a starting lineup. You have depth. You're getting healthier. GP2 is here. Uh, Steph is Steph. Look at where they're at right now and compare them to the rest of of the field. Now, you can still make the argument that they're not as good as Denver. We'll find out in, you know, less than in 24 hours, but I think that that's the lens by which you have to judge the Golden State Warriors. And when you do that, Ev, I, I don't think again it's, you know, beyond the realm of, you know, the craziest things that have happened in the history of sports, the Golden State Warriors getting back to the NBA Finals. And I also don't think the rest of the league is looking at the Warriors and saying that this is just a flash in the pan. Like, there's been some staying power now for a total of a month. That's not it's insignificant. Now, the 2022 team started 18-2, and two, and that's a, a ridiculous stretch over like a month and a half or a month and a couple, a uh, month and a week, which you, you can't deny. So no matter what you did throughout the rest of that season, you always had 20 games of elite championship caliber basketball to fall back on and say that is our best that's what we can be this is the best stretch of basketball for the Warriors and so I guess from that standpoint Dan if you're looking at these 15 games because you got to win 16 to win the finals you got to win 12 games essentially to get to the finals that means you're probably gonna have to play in the realm of you know 15 to 20 games essentially probably closer to 20 games in the playoffs is what what is what you've seen right now good enough, and can they sustain that for not just the next twenty seven, but then for twenty after that? You're going to have to play essentially forty five games the remainder of the way to get to the NBA Finals of elite quality basketball, and they've done that so far. I was just crunching some numbers before the show. Last fifteen games, the Warriors are eleven and four. The wins would be tied for the most of any team in basketball during that stretch. The only team that's won more games is the Boston Celtics with so twelve. The Warriors have the number two offensive rating in basketball, 121.2. They have the fifth best defensive rating in basketball, 111.2. Maybe most importantly to them, they are leading the league in assists the last 15 games. They're also sixth, so top 10 in terms of assist to turnover ratio, they've taken care of the ball. There's some areas that they can improve in. Ironically, it's been on the defensive side more than offensively. They shot the hell out of the basketball over the 15 games, and a lot of that has been because of Steph Curry. But the quality of play has been in the same conversation with Boston, Cleveland, who's second in the East, the Clippers, and Oklahoma City. That is who the Warriors right now are in a group with over the last month. And from that standpoint, you're right. They are playing currently title-contending basketball. But from what we've seen over the whole season, I still, I still got to see more. And that starts on Sunday with the defending champs. I think they beat Denver. And I think they do that. And I mentioned that because, listen, they're not catching Denver. So it's not really relevant. And then, oh, you beat Denver and you're, you're narrowing in on the Nuggets. No, I think you're going to concede 
what are they, the four seed or the five seed, you know, to you're not going to get there. No, I don't think so. But it's significant in this regard that this is important to let themselves know, the Nuggets and everybody else, that this isn't just, we're not just compiling wins against the likes of the Utah Jazz and even the Los Angeles Lakers who are, you know, a ninth seed and or the Charlotte Hornets, that this is legitimate. That this is, if the Nuggets are the best the West has to offer, and I think they sit in like the number three seed, just like a half game or a game and a half out of, of a first place, um, the Golden State Warriors, I think, make a statement on Sunday to just sort of solidify everything that you just said. That is a statement game. And not that it's a must-win game, but if they lose that game, I wouldn't, look, I wouldn't be necessarily shocked. But then again, you look up and you say, well, you've played them four times this. You played the defending champs four times, and you haven't won a game. From that standpoint, I do think the Warriors need to win on Sunday if we're going to take them seriously as a title contender. They have to win that game. Kind of like you were talking about uh, before the All-Star break with Phoenix. Like That's a, a must-win game from the standpoint of, are we taking you seriously? Are we taking you as a team that could win a playoff series or two in the West. Because this is the other part of it, too, in reference to the Steve Kerr contract and the next part of the conversation that I do want to get into at 888-957-9570 is what justifies the extension. To me, the playoffs is where the contract and really the alignment, like it's not just about Kerr, but the alignment with the other members of the big three outside of Klay Thompson, that is where it matters. That is where the contract, along with the money that Draymond Green got last summer, that Curry continues to make and continues to produce for, that's where those contracts matter. How far they go in the postseason is where it matters. So I'm very glad that they're playing awesome basketball, and that they're 11-4 and four in the last 15. They've won 10 of 12. But you're right, Dan. The game against Denver is going to be one that everyone has their eyes on and is really, I think, going to look back on, depending on how far the Warriors go. They'll say, this game against Denver, the previous three games against Denver, that is how we're looking at the Warriors. Are they a team that can at least win one game against the defending champs? Because they should have won their last one. They blew it. And you could say that's on Kerr. You could say it's on uh, Curry, who didn't play well down the stretch of that game. Whatever you want to say. It's on the champs. Whatever you want to say. This game is one that they do need to win for us to take them seriously. We're looking forward to it. All right, 888-957-9570 is the number. That's Dan DeVoe, and my name is Evan Giddings. We're taking your calls on the other side. What do the Warriors need to do in the postseason or the rest of the season to justify the two-year, $35 million extension that Steve Kerr just got? Or are you not looking at it like that? How are you looking at the Warriors right now playing their best basketball since 2022, the year they won the championship? We'll be back after this on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back, Ev. How are you today? What's up, Dan? <laughs> Halfway home here on the Warriors this week. Dan Devone, Evan Giddings. Just getting my bearings settled. Come on, man. You know, I swear to God, some of these commercial breaks get shorter and shorter. I'm, I'm trying to pick it at your brain, which is full of omnipotent knowledge and omnipotent knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some great wisdom stored up in that in that fro. And come on, bro, you're crushing your eighth pot of coffee. Like yeah. you and the coffee have got to chill, man. I'm just telling you. Well, we, we have a contentious relationship, but I would like to say it's mutually beneficial. I mean, seriously, what do you? How much coffee would you drink on a tip? It's it's a Monday morning in the middle of the week. Like you're waking up and doing what? It depends on how long I'm fasting for. Because if I'm not eating, then I'm drinking coffee. Well, that's not a fast. What do you mean? Yes, it is. No, I think if you drink coffee, it doesn't qualify as a Okay, so this is where the medical experts tend to differ, all all right? right? Black coffee with nothing in it, technically not breaking your fast, because there's no calories in it. It's all about caloric intake, so all right. But if you don't take in calories, you're not going to spike your insulin levels, a.k.a. kick-starting your metabolism, so your fast remains the same. It, 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 it's, it's neither here nor there, but the fact remains, if I'm drinking less than 10 cups in a day on a Monday before, let's say, like 2 p.m., because I won't eat before 2 p.m. if I'm not doing anything, then I'm then I'm good. Yeah, so like, eh, six, six to eight cups of coffee. There's a guy right now in the East Bay just saying, dude, just wake up and crush some eggs <laughs> and toast like the rest of us. Stop well, with the fast. I'm just the not hungry in the morning. It's I don't know. It, maybe it's just me. So some people love to eat early. I love to eat late. Not hungry in the morning. Yeah. I don't know about you. Well, what, what, what are you talking about? You're up at four thirty, <laughs> jumping in Ocean Beach. You're judging me for I my do, you know, I caffeine in, intake. I live in Seattle. You know that. I never had a cup of Joe. Man, never had a cup of coffee my entire life. Man, never got out to no, Starbucks. No, no, man. Pike Place. That. Never did any of that stuff. Yeah, the caffeine, man. Me and caffeine. Can you imagine? You me? seem like a green tea guy. Hopped up on coffee. Well, green tea. You talk about you know, medical <laughs> experts. <laughs> medical experts. That's where you want to go, man. That's the, go. the longevity. That and the Japanese squash. You'll live. Until you're 105. Japanese squash? Yeah. Never heard of that before. Well, it's their sweet potato. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Hey, I mean, I'm telling you, these are you like, know, those, I, like I said, omnipotent knowledge, just <laughs> spewing it across. The well, they have those, those blue countries or those blue areas, those areas around the world where people live, they exceed, you know, the expectations, uh, you know, by their, their life expectancy is like 105. There's only like five blue areas in the world, one of which is, I believe, in Osaka, where they diet on primarily yeah. the uh, that's where on average the people live to be the longest. Yes. Well, it's interesting because we're talking about. Uh, the olden state warriors, right? You know, Steph Curry's moving on to 36. Steve Kerr is a little bit older. He's got his two-year extension. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Have you, like, looked into how to live as long as humanly possible? I feel like you are one of those guys. Like, you're going to be 110 one day, and <laughs> everyone's just going to be looking at Dan Devone as the poster boy for... No, I, I, I just, I want to be, uh, well, I lived such an unhealthy life, but everybody do you, about? man, because they're, so I got a cousin out in you Hawaii. You don't drink coffee, you eat Japanese squash. But here's the thing, I got a cousin out in Hawaii, his name's Tubby, he's actually a skinny dude, but he... First name, government name, Tubby? Yeah, so that's all you call him is Tubby, I don't even know his first name, and he's family. <laughs> okay. So Tub, what's up? A shout out to Honolulu, Hawaii, but this... This guy, like, he lives in Hawaii, wakes up every day, there's no stress. I mean, he just lives his life, and, you know, he doesn't... The way we... I'm in the rat race out here in the quote-unquote mainland, you know, I was trying to stay healthy, and he may die 15, 20 years younger than me, but he's going to die die with a smile on his face, man. Mm-hmm. That's just because he lives a very simple, happy life, and that, to me, is the key. It's not longevity. It's just making sure you do your things correctly, right? You know, just when you tag out, make sure that you're good with it, Right? I'd say that's a good right. way. I'd say it's a good way to go. <laughs> and right now, there's been a lot of smiles on Golden State Warriors fans' faces because they have not tapped out. And it looked like they might have tapped out at some point this season when they were five games below 500. They chose to stand pat at the trade deadline. They didn't move anyone. They got better internally. They're getting more healthy. Uh, some of their older players, including Chris Paul, is reported to be back on the upcoming road trip when they head out to, I think it's Washington, New York, Toronto, and then Boston. Some difficult games... This is actually just kind of off the beaten track, but oh, I guess we're off the beaten track for the last five minutes. When you look at the Warriors' remaining schedule and you see, let's say, like the sixth or maybe it's fifth now easiest schedule, I'm not sure. But you got 16 road games compared to now 11 home games, I think. Does that sort of even out? Because that's how I view things. I think the Warriors' schedule is not as easy as people are making it out to be because of the amount of games you have to play on the road, which in, intrinsically are, are more difficult, in my opinion. Well, they're much better on the road this year. I think it's getting better at home is why I think that that gives them a clear advantage because I only think they're only like at 500 now, maybe a game over 500, on the, I want to say, at home this year. Yeah, when you think two about games where, now. Where they were a year ago with a distinct advantage. So I think that they're only going to get better at home and I think that they have proven that they are not, well, not a great road team, a good road team, which is why I do think that there is sort of that perfect storm. And if you look at the law of averages, I think they're going to win at a much higher clip at home and that they're going to maintain whether it's a 500 or maybe even a little bit better than that on the road, or even if you're just a couple of games under 500, that the schedule, along with the fact that it's only going to get better at home uh, and that they're a proven winner on the road, that there are good things in store for the Golden State Warriors going forward. Well, thanks, Uncle Looney, on the YouTube chat, powered by First North Cal Credit Union. 17 road games. So that's, yeah, like, but, but that's the thing. So let's say you go 9-8 and eight on the road. 
That's slightly above 500. It's not easy to do if you got to, like, for example, on the road trip coming up, if they go two and two, I wouldn't be shocked. You win Washington, you win Toronto, or you win one of the two games against New York or Boston. Boston's a very tough place to play on the road. New York's been playing better as of late, and they might be getting someone like Randall or Ananobi back in the near future before you get to play them. They're a tough team. So, like, you're going 500 or better on the road. That to me is a good place to be, especially if you're cleaning up at home. But, where the Warriors are at right now at the 10 seed, you kind of have to play better than just 500 or slightly above 500 basketball on the road to me to give yourself a chance to climb out of the 10, 9, and get to the 7 or 8. Maybe give yourself a chance to get to the 6, I don't know. But three games back right now, the 7 or 8 seed is where the Golden State Warriors are. And we're pretty much going to be playing the schedule game and looking around the scoreboard the rest of the season, which makes things all the more exciting. But... Sacramento and Phoenix have to fall, or Dallas has to fall, or New Orleans has to fall. And the only team that I can see them jumping, in addition to Los Angeles, I think they can they can certainly catch the Lakers, and they might do it by Sunday, to be honest, um, would be Sacramento. I think I think that's the team that they got to get past to put themselves in a position to have two cracks to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I think the Western Conference, it's not that you can't get to the sixth seed. It's just that you have to jump so many teams. You have to hope that they have yeah. either an injury or a tough spell. And like, Dallas suddenly, my goodness, what is that, seven in a row for them, I want to say? The yeah. Mavericks now, have, uh, you know, the Kyrie Irving and the Doncic project has, has now suddenly, you know, something that everybody has to be concerned about. It, it, the Warriors, that's another thing you have to concern yourself about, Ev. Let's, let's just be real. If you're to use, you know, sp- statistics and historically speaking, the seeding is a real deal when it comes to the Western Conference. This isn't the NFL where you see wild cards with regularity win the Super Bowl or in Major League Baseball where you'll see teams that are quote-unquote wild cards that that get in and win a title uh, or win a World Series. The NBA, usually, it sort of stays the course, and that is the top seeds usually, at the end of the day, are the last ones standing. Mm-hmm. What's the stat? you got to go back to 94 and, and the Houston Rockets, the last time a sixth seed, a team as oh, low yeah. as a sixth seed, won an NBA championship. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time. That's 94, man. So I, I do think that there is, not to say that the Warriors can't be the next because somebody is going to be, but when it comes to the NBA, seeding is a real deal. So um, getting in is a... As a nine, as an eight, as a seven, uh, it just makes that road to get to the Western Conference that much more challenging. And the fact that you got to go back to 94, the last time a six seed won a title, I mean, there's a lot to be said there. Yeah, and there's been examples of lower seeds that have made runs. You, know, you think about what the 99 Knicks were the eight seed got to the finals. Obviously, last year, the Heat is the eight seed got to the finals. But to me, I, I think you're right. It's not that the Warriors can't go on some run, and, and they're probably going to catch some breaks if they are to. Any, any championship team, by the way, does catch breaks. That's not something that's an outlandish take, in my opinion. And I just think that the Warriors, number one, your seating is a general reflection of your team and how you've played for 82 games. But maybe more importantly for Golden State, assuming that they continue a high level of play, is you have to go through three good teams or great teams in order to get to the finals. You know, you're going to have to beat, in all probability, Minnesota or Oklahoma City. They're teams that are right now on you know 55-ish win pace. They're not easy outs. The Clippers and the Nuggets would then be probably your second-round series. 
So you might have to play the defending champs just to get to the Western Conference Finals. And maybe you catch a break, maybe someone gets an upset, but you're going to have to upset in all likelihood three teams to get to a place in which then you're going to have to beat the best coming out. Like, that's a a daunting task. And to me, that's why I would feel maybe glass half empty on their title chances. But you and I, I think, are on the same page that the last month or so of of the Warriors and the way that they've played has absolutely opened the door to that possibility. Before we were discussing, we weren't talking about this team at all, in, in title contention uh, conversations. To me, it's it's more about how the Warriors are playing now as opposed to how far they can climb because I don't think they're going to be able to get out of the play-in, even if they win 46 or 47 games this year, which would be an improvement from last year. Well, it's a challenge, Ev. If ever there was a year that a lower seed gets and wins an NBA Finals is this year. Because I don't... It's so wide open, especially in the West. Like, if you were to tell me... One of eight teams comes out of the West. I would not be surprised. I mean, it is... If Phoenix gets there, are you going to be shocked? I mean, seriously. If the Lakers, again, come out of the West, are you going to be like, oh, my God. If it's Minnesota or the Thunder Mm -hmm. uh, or the Nuggets again. And certainly if it's the Warriors, nobody's going to be like, oh, my goodness, didn't see that coming. It is so... Everybody has an opportunity this year. And that wasn't the case to me, at least, last year where it was Denver and everybody else. Like The writing was on the wall. The only thing that was working against the Nuggets is that they didn't have the experience, that they had never won one before. Now they got one under their belt. I mean, they're legitimate, but they're, you know, they're in a dogfight like everybody else. So I don't see the West, as well as the rest of the NBA. I know Boston has separated themselves from everybody else out in the East, but I don't see anybody this year where you look at and say, wow. Yeah, the Warriors are going to have to run up against that team. I think they're still a year or two away. Or, woo, look out for the Nuggets. There's nobody in the West that's in front of the Golden State Warriors that should keep anybody up at night. So that's interesting. You're talking about the Bucks, or sorry, uh, the Nuggets, Freudian slip there. To me, after 2021, the Bucks were seen as right now how the Nuggets are seen. You had the best player in the world, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You just won a championship, you got over the hump. And you look like you're just going to run it back and compete for titles. Now we look at them three seasons later, and it's how come Giannis can't get out of the second round? How come Giannis can't get back to the finals? How come he's got to trade his point guard to go get Dame Lord? He's got to get help. How come we're shipping off head coaches and bringing in head coaches that are the most three one blown leads in NBA history? Like, so I, I am with you that Denver to me is is the best team in the West. Is currently, I think they just have the best starting five. And down the stretch of a game, I would trust them to close. But then again, if we're talking about reasons to not feel as confident around the rest of the conference, you could just look at the Bucks and say, well, they won a championship and they haven't sniffed the final since. And Boston, you're right, is the best team and has the best record in the NBA. But I think that they have flaws, and it's more mentally than physically. But, I mean, I guess from that standpoint, you know, the Warriors do have some some ingredients um, with their core and experience. They're starting to get healthy and play at the right time. It's really all about playing your best basketball entering the postseason. So, you know, the, the rest of these games are uh, down the stretch of the regular season are going to tell us just how far the Warriors can go. But I it, look backing up a championship with another finals appearance, nevertheless a finals victory, is a hard thing to do. And maybe Denver just gets ousted because of the attrition more so than anything else. I don't know. It's everybody's got an opportunity. Come on down, as they like to the say. The Wild Wild West. It is. This is the year. 
Now, I know a lot, of, like I pointed out, no one as low as a six seed has won a championship going back to 1994, when I think it was Kenny Smith and those Houston Rockets with Akeem and the Dream and those, you know, Robert Horry and company. Uh, but that's the last time you saw a six seed win a title. This is going to, if ever it's going to happen, this is the year. You think? And I think the Golden State Warriors are in a good, believe it or not, a good situation because it's, there isn't a clear favor in the West. And I think, you know, it's it's going to be a different way, though, that Golden State wins this thing. And, I, you know, just to get back to sort of the X's and O's and Steve Kerr and and the rotation and, and the youngsters, is that Steve Kerr is going to have to continue to entrust this youth movement. He's going to have to continue to entrust Jonathan Kaminga, who, by the way, his 34 game, consecutive games of mm-hmm. double-digit points came, came to, to an end, end. Yeah, last night. But he's you going to, He's going to... About Jonathan Kaminga? Yeah. I will say this about Jonathan Kaminga. You know what a, my indictment on Jonathan Kaminga is right now? Is that he's... While everybody's... You know, everybody has reaped this praise about... You know, he, he, Jonathan Kaminga is reaping this praise now about how he's... The game is slowing down, and he's consciously making the extra pass, and he's not putting his head down and dribbling into four guys, and it's not a complete mess when it comes to Jonathan Kaminga. It's not, you know, he's really good, and all of a sudden he's really bad because he just, you know, he's not reading the room. You know, all of that is so true. Mm -hmm. But it's almost to a fault now. Like, I've noticed the last couple of games, he's almost over-compromising, or he's overly conscious of, oh, i got to stop and make sure that I get other guys involved, or that... You know, there's that fine line or there's that balance that I think he still has to reach where just go ahead, put your head down and go because, like you said, you can take anybody off the bounce in this league and then making sure that you make the right pass. I don't think he's there yet. Like, he's very close. But there's still this concerted effort like, oh, i got to pull on the brakes because, you know, I don't want to be that guy and I still want to, you know, stay within favor of that of – of Coach Kerr and not go back into the doghouse. Uh, and then at other times where he's just like raw Jonathan Kaminga and just dealing on anybody. Like, I still think he's he needs to be a little bit more assertive. As ridiculous as that might sound, we're talking about Jonathan Kaminga. No, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. I think it's spot on. I think Kaminga, because of what he needed to do to either prove to Kerr that he had to play or to prove to himself, I, I don't know. Like, I just felt like Kaminga, beyond the, what was it, the Portland game where he's out of the rotation, came in, forced his way back, and then after Denver said he'd lost faith, or his camp said he'd lost faith in the head coach, and then now he's played a lot more. Like, I just think because of those circumstances, it was almost like he had his back up against the wall. And that's where we saw the dog that Jonathan Kaminga has been and shown himself to be on the floor. Like, he can be a dominant interior force when he's getting downhill, when he's playing with space, when he's playing with assertiveness, like you said. I almost think that because the team is is playing well, um, and because someone like Andrew Wiggins has begun to play a little more consistently, uh, other players have kind of reorganized their roles, you know, pause in the starting lineup now, Clay's to the bench, I, I think Kaming has been a little passive lately. That would be my only critique of him. I think that he's trying to do all the other things. Like, for example, last night against Charlotte, even though he didn't score double digits, he had six assists. Uh, he was a plus 25 against the Lakers while scoring 12 points. Like, he was he was good in those games, despite not scoring a lot. So he's still finding other ways to contribute. Don't get me wrong. 
But offensively, to me, if I'm looking at, again, we're talking about how far the Warriors can go, projecting them in their ceiling for this season. To me, Kaminga has to be, he has to be their number two offensive mm-hmm. option. And the last few games, I have not seen someone with the mentality of a number two offensive score. That might be too much for him as at age 21, too much to expect. But in a playoff series, or against, for example, Denver on Sunday... I would hope. And actually, I do think against the Nuggets, we will see Kaminga try and assert himself early in that game. I I hope it's not him settling for jump shots, which he did a little bit against the Los Angeles Lakers, but trying to get downhill against Denver. Because remember, that's the team that he didn't play the final, what was it, 16 minutes of game time against the last one they blew that lead. He was a big reason, I think, that they did lose that game, that he was not on the floor. And I think that that could be the game that could kind of rekindle or spark that aggressive nature that got him to the point where we're talking about this dude needs to be in the game at all times. He has to be a star. He has to be a star, especially in the postseason, for them to make the sort of run that you know, they have the potential of, of, of you know, I, I Sincerely believe they have the potential of getting back to the NBA Finals, and if that's to come to fruition, he has got to be a star. Mm -hmm. He's got to be clearly the number two. Maybe he shares that mantle with Andrew Wiggins in the perfect world. But I think what has to happen is that so he's just going through this, you know, these these this transition, and now he's he's always overcompensated where he's deferring too much. Like the game has to be instinctual to him. Like, he can't think. Right now, you can clearly see that he's overthinking the process, and he has to be much, much more instinctive. Now, those instincts can't be, it's one on four, but I'm going to put my head down and, you know, go through these guys regardless. Like, that has to be eradicated. But the the game has to go back to being much more instinctive and not this sort of, these these permutations that he's going through every time he comes down the floor which I think is inhibiting his growth. Yeah, and look, again, this is his third season in the league. It's really the first year. I know he got ample time last year because of Wiggins, but I think that this season is the first time where he's felt finally empowered. Like, my spot's not on the line if I don't have a good game kind of thing. Like, he's going to be in the starting lineup regardless. And it's it has been, to, to his credit and also to Kerr's, when he's done the other things outside of just scoring – He's been rewarded. You know, the rebounding. Last night he had seven rebounds. He's had an offensive rebound, I think, in the last, like, 12 games. But he had five offensive boards, for example, against the Clippers before the All-Star break. Like, he is, he's attacking the glass. He is defending at, I think, a pretty good level. He's playing consistently. But to me, where the Warriors need him, and I think this is probably the next step in his maturation, is identifying points in-game when the Warriors need him to take over. Because he has the ability to. We've all seen it. He has the ability to take over stretches and spurts of games. And I think that that would also, for example, on Sunday against Denver, put the Warriors in a situation where if they're leading or it's a tight game, that it doesn't have to, because we talked about this too, Dan, it doesn't have to all be about Steph. It doesn't have to all be about Curry creating and basically guiding you home. You know that Curry's going to get the bulk of the shots in the fourth quarter of a tight game, but if Kaminga can be someone that you can throw the ball to and get Steph a possession off, or someone that you can you can push the break with and not be afraid to try and drive into the lane and get to the free throw line, that would be huge for me because I think also 
One area that I've been kind of looking at and keeping tabs on for Kaminga in regards to his points is how often he's getting to the free throw line. He only got to the line twice in the last two games. Twice before the break against the Clippers. Once, or pardon me, twice against the Jazz. Once against the Clippers. Like, Kaminga, I think, when his free throw attempts are, I don't know, halfway to ten, like four or five per game, maybe six, that's also an indication of how much he tries to get into the paint. And that's where he's been money this season. Now, you know, I don't know. Some of it is perhaps defensively teams are trying to take that away. You know, the scouting report is obviously out on him at this point. But I don't think that should dissuade him. And one thing that I actually really like from Kaminga against the Lakers, for example, he got a shot blocked four times in that game. And the last two times in the second half, he got the ball back and immediately went right into the paint. Went right back to trying to attack in the 10. That's the Kaminga that I want to see. That's the Kaminga that I think can open things up for the Warriors and generate easy baskets, and I think takes their offense to a different level. I love his little turnaround jumper that he's incorporated. I hadn't seen it prior to this year that he's shooting now, that little sort of Kobe, little you know, shimmy from about 15 to 16 feet. Like that, if he, he shoots that with regularity, wow. That, that, to me, is smooth, and as well as attacking the room. But just, I wanted to point this out. Did you notice this, the last couple of games? Now, it was the end of a quarter, and it wasn't necessarily that big of a deal. And you're talking about we're so the team is so Steph-centric that they deliberately, at the end of the quarter, designed plays for Kaminga. Mm. I, I noticed this, that it wasn't... And Steph actually gave him the ball, and they sort of cleared aside, and there was like less than 10 seconds, 5 seconds remaining in a quarter, and they're like, let's just, let's just try this as an option. Can Jonathan Kaminga either get a bucket or get fouled in the closing seconds? Like You could clearly see it was Steve Kerr saying, is there another option on my team other than Steph Curry, it's the end of the game, and everyone else get the hell out of the way? <laughs> And, so, and it was interesting because yeah. they gave Jonathan Kaminga a couple of opportunities in the game last night as well as against the Lakers. I noticed that they're like, it's it's not the end of the game, but maybe you can graduate to that level. Let's just see if you can close here at the in the final seconds rather than Steph doing it. Well, and I think that's part of what Kerr might be trying to do as well because I think we're at the point in the season with the way the Warriors are playing that against the Lakers, against the, the Hornets, or the LeBronless Lakers, and against the Hornets, like those are teams that you can experiment a little bit with now and know that you're still going to win those games. Might not be as tight or as lopsided as you'd like, but those are learning opportunities. What do the Warriors have in store? What can take them to the next level? I think that's what people are wondering, because I do think they're going to have to take it to a next level, certainly. (laughs) Certainly to beat the Nuggets on Sunday, but to make a run at this thing if we are to have hope that they can compete for a deep postseason run. All right, we're going to take a break, come back for our final hour here on Warriors this week, going up until noon as always on Saturdays. That's Dan Devone, Evan Giddings. The number is 888-957-9570. What will take the Warriors to the next level? What is the difference between a loss to Denver and a victory on Sunday against the defending champs? We'll dig into that on the other side on 95.7 The Game. We're back after this. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 